Welcome to Kara's Corner, a podcast on education-related topics by Kara Berger. Today's podcast is brought to you by Adult Learning Theories, EDUC 755. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Kara's Corner. Here with me today are my two dogs and the many sounds of Baltimore City. So if you hear anything in the background, it's them. Today we're going to be talking about the interesting topics of andragogy and self-directed learning. We'll start off with andragogy. What is it? What does it look like in practice? I'll tackle these questions and more by sharing two of my own learning experiences as an adult, one I viewed as largely positive and the other not so great. We'll dissect the two experiences talking about what assumptions were present in both of these scenarios and much more. In the second part of today's podcast, we'll dive into self-directed learning. I will reflect on some of my own self-directed learning and consider what was put forth in chapter four of this week's text. With all of that out of the way, let's dive into today's topics. Let's start out by defining andragogy. Andragogy is a term that was first used in the 1960s by Malcolm Knowles as a label for adult teaching and learning. Knowles's defining of andragogy was considered groundbreaking because it laid out the differences of learning between children and adults. So again, to recap, andragogy is a method for teaching adults. When Knowles first introduced andragogy, he proposed six assumptions, as he called them, essentially things that we can accept as generally true about teaching adults. I'll go into what some of them mean in more detail in a minute, but for reference, the six assumptions are the learner's self-concept, experience, readiness to learn, problem-centered orientation, internal motivation, and the need to know. I'm going to share two of my experiences with adult learning now, and then we'll talk about where these assumptions come into play. So let's start with the positive. A rock climbing gym opened in my neighborhood about a year ago, and climbing has been my hobby of choice since then. I started out with what is called bouldering, where you typically are climbing small walls and you are not wearing a harness. Um, After a few months of this, I decided that I was interested in top roping, which is when you are strapped into a harness and climb taller walls. When top roping, you have the climber and you have the belayer, which is the person holding the ropes. I decided to take a class to become belay certified. The class was taught by an engaging and patient instructor who went over everything from commands to knots to how the ropes work. First, the instructor went over everything verbally and then demonstrated the technique. After this, we had a chance to try out what we learned by partnering up and belaying someone climbing. The instructor migrated from group to group, helping us with technique and offering tips. By the end of the class, I felt confident in belaying. So back to Knowles and andragogy, what assumptions were present here? Let's start with the most obvious, which is need to know. Knowles stated that adults want to know why they need to learn something and how they will apply it to their immediate situation. 
In short, I needed to know how to belay in order to top rope. After demonstrating, the instructor gave participants the chance to belay, allowing me to apply what I learned to my immediate situation. Now let's talk about problem-centered orientation. The text states that adults are problem-centered and desire immediate application of the knowledge they learned. My participation in the belay class is a perfect example of this because not being belay certified was a problem in that it was preventing me from top roping, which was my issue of immediate concern. Moreover, I was able to immediately apply my newly learned technique of belaying during the class because rather than simply lecturing, the instructor allowed time for us to apply what we learned. I could talk about rock climbing for hours, but I think I'll wrap up this section by concluding that this was a positive learning experience, largely because the instructor incorporated some key assumptions of teaching adults. Let's shift gears to the not so great. Have you ever seen those memes about a meeting that should have been an email? That's how I feel about this next experience. I recently attended a two-day professional development session on teaching climate change. The first problem was that the room was absolutely freezing. But on to the actual content. The goal of the workshop was twofold. First, to learn how to facilitate five climate change lessons with students, and second, to learn how to facilitate climate change-focused professional development among our colleagues. For each of the lessons, they were simply read aloud. We did not engage in any of the activities, but rather all looked at a screen projecting the lesson and went through it line by painful line. Beyond the lesson, much of the session was spent having scientists lecture on the current research surrounding climate change, which is conclusive, climate change is real, but it's also very complicated. My eyes glazed over, and this is a topic that I'm actually interested in. Uh, it was nearly impossible to follow, and don't forget that I'm freezing. So which of Knowles' assumptions were present here? It's a bit more difficult to say. I think the two assumptions that were most clearly lacking were the need to know and the problem-centered orientation. So let's unpack that. Like we saw in my last vignette, the need to know and problem-centered orientation go hand in hand. The scientists' lectures on climate change felt like drinking water from a fire hydrant. It's a complicated science, yes, but remember, we are teaching middle and high schoolers, not PhD students. Was the wealth of information interesting? Yes. But I don't know how to apply this to my immediate situation because I found it overwhelming. This is a problem of need to know. Similarly, with problem-centered orientation, this high-level science was not particularly helpful when thinking about how to teach middle schoolers. Like this assumption states, I am motivated to learn to deal with a specific issue or problem, and I felt that the content was not specific enough. If I had to make suggestions for improving this experience, the first would be to practice what we preach. We should have done those lessons as students, not as a bunch of adults huddled around laptops. Second, more isn't always better. 
Had the information on climate change been a bit simplified and trimmed down, I might have been able to better retain it and thus apply it in my teaching. Let's move on to the second part of today's podcast, talking about self-directed learning. So what is self-directed learning? The text states, that Knowles says the process of SDL is when individuals take the initiative with or without the help of others in diagnosing their learning needs, formulating learning goals, identifying human and material resources for learning, choosing and implementing appropriate learning strategies, and evaluating those learning outcomes. So our question is, is SDL a process or an attribute? In my view, SDL is a process and not an attribute. I think my own motivations for learning are a perfect example of that. When I compare my own education in undergraduate versus graduate, I find myself much more motivated, independent, and actually finding joy in the learning process as a grad student. I think this is a direct product of being more mature and having better self-management skills now than I did as an undergraduate. This reflects the process over the attribute because were SDL an attribute, I might likely not even be in grad school because I did not have these attributes of a self-directed learner for most of my undergraduate career, so why would I have them now? Let's talk now about a few criticisms. An important critique of SDL and andragogy is that the learner exists in a vacuum and is not subject to the demands of the world around them, but rather only their own motivations. My primary experience with teaching adults is through teacher professional development. While I have no doubt that many, if not all, of the teachers who attend these sessions have genuine interest in what is being offered, I also know they face external pressures such as needing continuing professional development credits or their administration is mandating they learn about certain things. It is absolutely possible for personal motivations to exist in tandem with external demands, but I think this is a facet that is largely overlooked in Knowles' six assumptions or Caffarella's goals likely to inspire learners. Another way I'll push back on SDL or Knowles' assumptions or Caffarella's goals is that I think it assumes a good deal of privilege on the part of the learner. If I have the mental capacity or actual time to develop myself as a self-directed learner, I think there are assumptions that my basic needs like feeding myself or my family or paying my bills are met. In this way, I see Knowles' assumptions and Caffarella's goals as somewhat indulgent. I'll use myself as an example. I acknowledge that a good deal of privilege has gotten me where I am today, and that had I not been so fortunate to have a stable family, a good education, and mentors, I might not be here learning and recording a podcast about principles of self-directed learning. So in summary, I think a lot of what was put forth in the chapter assumes that learning is a choice, and that assumes that we have the space in our lives to choose where to be intentional about learning, which is a form of privilege. 
This concludes the second episode of Kara's Corner. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you.